practice has been defined as the repeated exercise in or performance of an activity or skill so as to acquire or maintain proficiency in it. Well, we've all heard the saying that practice makes perfect. Well, it makes sense then that what we actually do regularly and what we desire to do will wire our brains to be more proficient in those same areas. And this is particularly true for our kids. But to use another metaphor, the door swings both ways. Just as practicing good things repeatedly makes us better in those areas, practicing impatience, entitlement, complaining, gossip, and other rude, obnoxious, and even unholy behaviors is going to make us better, with air quotes around it, in those areas. Now, this is a parenting program, so when do we as parents allow our kids to practice these negative traits? Well, when we give them unlimited access to digital technology. What they watch repeatedly is wiring their brains, and ours for that matter, for good or for bad. Exploring the world of screens and teens. We'll do that next on Licensed to Parent. Well, welcome. You've found us once again, and for that, we are grateful. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long residential treatment program for teens in crisis. Our host, as always, on Licensed to Parent is Trace Embry, and I'm Rich Rosel. And Trace, once again, we find ourselves venturing into the area of digital technology and its effects on our kids but uh, I'm not so sure we can actually explore or discuss this topic too much, can we? Mm, not at all. I don't, I don't think. Uh, and this is especially true because of how fast technology is evolving or devolving, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we can record a radio program today on this subject, and tomorrow a multitude of different innovations will occur that you know, parents uh, need to be aware of. Digital technology not properly harnessed by the Holy Spirit can actually be a steroid for man's sin nature. Uh, unfortunately, however, what you know could and should be used as a tool for good too often gets used as a weapon for evil. And as I've just mentioned, this digital invasion is virtually a daily evolution. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, who can keep up with it all? Here's what bothers me. Think about this. At the turn of the last century, when technology was moving at the speed of sound and automobiles were you know rapidly becoming a staple in American society, uh, how many people had to be injured or, or even killed before wise protocol, prudent safety precautions, and you know proper regulations were, were put into place? Over the years, we realized, wow, you know, brakes that brakes would be a good idea on these things. You know, <laughs> brake lights, turn signals, headlights, windshields, windshield wipers, windshield washers, stop yep. signs, stop lights, you know, paved roads, on and on. Hundred years later, airbags. And then we realized that a minimum age for operating these dangerous machines was actually needed. I mean, you had to have a, an operator's license and pass a test to do so, even as an adult. And unlike smartphones, cars are not even addictive. At least not for most people. For yeah, me, I was about me, to argue with that. Yeah, uh, you, I, I have a little bit of addiction with cars. Uh, now let's fast forward 100 years when technology is now moving at the speed of light. Not sound, light. But instead of physical injuries being the immediate and unintended consequences of getting behind the safety curve, the liabilities aren't so empirical or easily measured. And though physical injury and death are still too often the result, now psychological issues, emotional issues, spiritual issues, relational issues, social issues, neurological issues, developmental issues, and other very real consequences are resulting. 
consequences that in the long run uh, can be every bit as deadly and have been every bit as deadly. Yeah. Wars are now fought using digital technology. Yet we're going to just cart, blanche, hand these addictive adult toys called smartphones to our young kids simply because we want to keep up with the Joneses' kids? I don't get it. I mean, I I understand flip phone thing. You know, I want my kid to have a cell phone. I get that. Uh, and that's going to be, you know, very heavily monitored and, and limited to what it can do. Um, I haven't even mentioned video games and all that stuff. Uh, well, I think what happened, Rich, we got blindsided by all this. We sure did. To where now these things have become so systemic to our society that implementing a wise and prudent protocol for our kids uh, and, and their digital use is going to require an act of Congress. And, and parents are going to have to pick their poison, suffer, for, you know, suffer through the, uh, the pain of being ostracized by our fellow man uh, for our out-of-the-box position on, on our kids' digital protocol or suffer the unintended consequences of allowing our kids' minds to be renewed by, uh, by guys like Larry Flint and Jeffrey Dahmer and Richard Dawkins and Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi, whatever his name is, not to mention the pedophiles living right down the block. And, and we talk about this, this war on women, all, all while we're, 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 we're paying for our, our subscriptions to HBO and other, believe it or not, hardcore porn channels. And I know Christian families are doing this. I, I know Christian families will watch yeah. the Game of Thrones with their kids. Yep. And and they wonder why they're struggling with their kids. And, and we were saying just before the program that it is no wonder that Christian families aren't on board with this topic right. because they don't recognize the problem. They're so far off center, they don't even know where center is. They they really don't. And, and it's going to require an, a, an incredible shift in their parenting paradigm. So I don't get it, but... Uh, and by the way, I'm not an alarmist. Uh, I just see this kind of stuff all the time. Um, you know, every kid, every kid, for the past ten years uh, uh, that have has come through Shepherd's Hill can, can link his or her behavioral and psychological issues to a smartphone. Uh, whatever the first core, uh, you know, might be, the smartphone is always in the equation. And it's not just mm-hmm. our kids that need a wiser protocol for digital technology. Rich, uh, we parents need a wiser protocol ourselves. I think today's guest has a lot to offer on this subject, so uh, why don't we get started? Well, the best place to start is with a proper introduction. Uh, joining us once again today is Dr. Kathy Cook. She's the founder and president of Celebrate Kids Incorporated, a ministry based in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, this time we've invited her on to take a peek under the hood of digital technology and the way we use it. Dr. Cook has influenced thousands of parents and teachers and children in some 30 countries through keynote messages and seminars and assemblies and many other uh, great events, including the great homeschool conventions, CareNet, and more. Now, she was a teacher, a tenured associate professor, a coach, and even a school board member before founding Celebrate Kids and becoming a full-time conference and keynote speaker. That happened back in 1991. So for about 26 years, she's been speaking all over the world. She's also the author of six books, including four published by Moody Publishers and two published by Celebrate Kids. Her bestsellers are the one that we talked about last time she was on, Eight Great Smarts, and the one that we've invited her to talk about today called Teens and Screens Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. Dr. Kathy, welcome back to Licensed to Parent. Hey, thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. I got to tell you, uh, I've interviewed a lot of people on the subject of digital technology, and I've, I've read their books. I've even contributed to Dr. Archibald Hart's book, The Digital Invasion. 
But I, got, I have to say that your book, Screens and Teens, is hands down the best book I've read. It's not because oh you're, my goodness. It's not because you're you. with me today. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. But it's the best book I've read when it comes to helping parents understand their kids' world and, and being a tool for keeping digital technology from being the divisive weapon that it can too often become um, in the parent-child relationship. And I've, I've only scratched the surface of your book and, and skimmed the rest. But this will be one of the books that I'm going to set aside to actually finish. Uh, thank you for writing it. Uh, so mm-hmm. what did you see, uh, Dr. Kathy, in particular that, that motivated you to, to, to write this book? Yeah, I appreciate you starting with that question. I was really concerned for good kids from good families who began to behave badly. And mm-hmm. the number of parents who were approaching me, like, we don't know what's wrong. We're, we're doing our very best. You know, we're... We're in the Bible, we're involved with our kids, you know, we're helping them, you know, discover who they are and be emotionally well and successful, and yet they're crabby and complaining and argumentative and impatient, and they, they're so entitled, you know, what have we done wrong? Right. And I began to listen and look and observe and, and interview people and talk to one of my mentors, and lo and behold, you know, we were, and we're not the only ones that have done this, figured out, oh my goodness, it is technology. Yep. Just like you were saying, you know, in your introduction, we, we have given children devices, tools, and toys that we did not know were going to raise them, mm-hmm. okay, and change their brain structure and therefore change their hearts and their character and their well-being. Um, most people listening have not done anything intentionally wrong. It's not their fault. Um, but now we need to take control, and now we need to do something. And that's where I began to investigate um, the, the lies, be, and, and this is what I imagine you appreciated about my book, and I'm really grateful for your reaction, is that I've, I'm pro-technology. right? We have to be, right, because it right. is here. Yep. And so what we have to do is help parents and, and kids understand why it can be a negative, and that's where these lies come up. I believe that technology is causing young people and even adults to believe lies that then further influence negative behavior. And that's why I want us to control technology, what they're allowed to do, how long they're allowed to do it, what age do they get it at, and all those kinds of things that parents wrestle with. Yeah, because a lot of these kids, the only news they get, the only uh, information they get now is uh, from other 15-year-olds or 13-year-olds. And uh, that's how they they think the world operates. Uh, One of the key uh, uh, keen insights that uh, you've captured in your book uh, is that teenagers have relationship-based beliefs while adults usually have belief-based relationships. I thought that was really, really uh, a good insight there. Can, can you flesh that out for us, and how does this relate directly to uh, our kids' uh, technology use? Um, those of us who are older, and uh, 35 years ago, so 35 years ago the personal computer was invented, 24 years ago the World Wide Web. And so people who are 35 and under and 24 and under are usually different from those of us who are older, although I will say that spiritual age trumps chronological age. <laughs> so a young person who knows the Lord and has been discipled into a followership, lordship relationship will often be different from the generation, which is one of the reasons I don't talk in terms of just a generation. Kids find sure. that really insulting. So those of us who are older tend to have beliefs that cause relationships. We have core beliefs and values, and so we connect with people who are like us. It doesn't mean that we're mean-spirited toward people who are different. We don't dislike them. We just tend to not hang out with them, and that's okay. And therefore, because our beliefs drive our relationships, our relationships usually stay more solid and healthy, and so do our beliefs. 
Young people value relationships. They collect people. People are their commodity. They're very mm-hmm. into the like factor, if you will. Yeah. And so because relationships are so important to them, they drive their beliefs. And this is why they change their opinions so often. It really frustrates parents. Yeah, I was going to ask you. You know, one day they're sold out for Christ, and then 24 hours later they're not. And what happened was in 24 hours they listened to someone they know say something disparaging about Christ, and they put that relationship as more valued than their opinion about Jesus. And what's really frightening, guys, is it can be a TV sitcom character that said it, yep. or it could be the lyric of a CD they listen to, but they feel like they're in a relationship with that artist, mm-hmm. and they want to value that relationship. And it can be as simple and as harmless, if you will, as mathematics, where one day a kid finally thinks math is valuable, and the parent is like, oh, praise Jesus, you know, they like math. <laughs> and then, um, you know, 72 hours later, math is again stupid. Yeah. And what happened was some kid they value in school said, isn't this ridiculous? Right, right. And your son or daughter values that relationship and agrees with that kid in order to keep that relationship solid. And this is why it's so critical today that parents pass on their beliefs to their children. Not, you know, it's not going to, they're not going to live with you and know what you believe. You have to teach it and inspire them to agree with you and, and teach them why what you yep. believe is wisdom and true. Yeah, as Al Mohler says, they're not going to learn it by osmosis. Uh, no. But this idea of compartmentalizing their faith, I mean, this is to the point where, uh, and I see it regularly, uh, and, and parents don't want to believe this, but they compartmentalize their faith and their lives uh, to the point of they could be a Bible quiz winner Sunday morning and be caught fornicating in a parking lot Sunday night. That's where we're at with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What can we be doing as parents to keep our kids from compartmentalizing their faith so much? What are some specific things that we can be doing? Oh, man, we need to be available. You know, one of the difficulties about technology is it's always available. If you allow them to have a phone or an iPad or whatever, they have access to Siri. And you can ask Siri the meaning of life, and she's wrong, by the way. (laughs) Um, You know, we're allowing kids to stream, you know, videos and TV shows and songs in their bedroom with the door closed. And when I was a kid, you watched in the living room with Dad. And he controlled what you watch, which is why when I miss my dad, I still watch Gunsmoke, you know, Um, (laughs) which is proof that we better be careful what we allow our kids to watch with us, right? Um, So because technology is available, we need to be readily available, emotionally present, physically present in the room with them. We need to be um, very conscious of um, their schedules, and we need to be on the same schedule. That's really, really big so that they want to be with us and we want to be with them and they believe that. And we need to read together and watch together and play together and explore together. That's when wisdom develops and that's when relationships become stronger so that they will turn to us in a time of need rather than to their Instagram feed or their Facebook feed or mm-hmm. some live chat with somebody in Romania that they game with who they think they know rather than coming to us. Yeah. So and that's I, the first thing I would say is be really available. Be physically and emotionally present in their lives. I think that's a great answer. And, and while our kids are leaving Facebook for Instagram, Snapchat, and others, uh, parents, we, we have to be on face-to-face-a-gram with our kids mm-hmm. and, and spend some time, you know, uh, uh, real time with our kids. And I think that's a great answer. Why in the world aren't more Christian parents leading the charge in this area? But you simmer on that because we have to take a break. And I, I want that answer when we come back, if you will. Okay. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Kathy Cook, founder and president of Celebrate Kids Incorporated, based in Fort Worth, Texas, and author of the book we're discussing, Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. Back with more conversation when Licensed to Parent continues. 
the world of digital technology is always changing, and it's changing you if you're comfortable with technology or not. Your kids may take technology almost completely for granted and rarely notice its effects. On the other hand, you may adapt to technology more slowly, but are affected by the digital invasion just as much as your kids. In the book, The Digital Invasion, How Technology is Shaping You and Your Relationships, authors Dr. Archibald Hart and Sylvia Hart-Fried uncover the ways digital technology is changing us from within, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually, and offers therapeutic and biblical strategies to become good stewards of our digital lives. The Digital Invasion also includes 10 pages featuring Trace Embry of Shepherds Hill Academy. Find The Digital Invasion in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds support the Shepherds Hill Academy Student Scholarship Fund. Teen rebellion, depression, addiction, rage, cutting, and suicide are destroying our families today. But there is a way out. Shepherd's Hill Academy offers a 12-month Christ-centered nonprofit residential program where kids are being transformed with a biblical worldview and often medication-free. Christian apologist Ravi Zacharias is just one of many Christian leaders who understands what's happening at Shepherd's Hill Academy. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and licensed to parent to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. I cannot gainsay how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. Get the help you need at Shepherd's Hill Academy. Go to helpmytroubledteen.org, helpmytroubledteen.org. You'll find License to Parent online at licensedtoparent.org. And again, a reminder, while you're there, if you missed past conversations, you'll find them all on our website, licensedtoparent.org. Please visit. Please uh, find out how you can get connected and renew your License to Parent. And today we're talking with Dr. Kathy Cook. She's the founder of Celebrate Kids, uh, a ministry based in Fort Worth, Texas, but also the author of six books, including the one that we're talking about today, Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. And uh, Dr. Kathy, this is just kind of a toss-up question that Trace mentioned right beforehand, but why do you think parents aren't getting it? Why is it so hard for those in at least American society to understand how real and big this problem is? Yes, that's a great question. When I speak about this um, from our philosophy here at Celebrate Kids, and I share the five big lies that I've identified, parents are like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like I give them language to understand what they've realized, and that empowers them to make the change. They don't realize that technology is what is ruining their children. They think that everybody's impatient and it's just the way it is, and they don't recognize that they can get their kids back to a Christ-like patience. One of my favorite lines is to say to young people that God will not rewrite the Bible for your generation, and patience will be forever and always a fruit of the Spirit. And so impatience will always be your default because you've been raised with something that has um, caused you to be very impatient, but that doesn't make it right. And so that's one thing for parents. They need to understand technology is really what is causing a lot of the argumentative complaining authority issues in their home and they don't recognize it. Well, they think it's part of growing up. 
Exactly, and it's and it doesn't have to be that way. The other thing I would say, and I and I and I don't I don't want anyone to be offended. What I typically say when I'm in front of a live audience is, I'm not going to compromise truth to make anybody comfortable. Thank you, Amen. We don't hear either. Okay, and then I also want to say, don't own this if this isn't relevant to you. But I think all of us know lazy parents. Mm. All of us know parents who are way too busy and are stressed from work or home or financial or marriage or whatever, and they're falling into their own screen to escape their reality because it's easy, and therefore they cannot tell their kids to stop it because they're not willing to stop it because they don't value themselves enough to value the way that they're stewarding their time and their resources. And they're using these things as babysitters for their kids because you talk about being busy, and if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Consequently, they're wore out. It's almost like they don't even have the energy to make a move. They're, 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 they're too tired to fight. And that's why I say this is systemic to our culture, and someone's going to have to be the Paul Revere here and, and get the ball rolling in the right direction. And many parents are. Many parents are beginning to see truth and, and stepping up and being discipled and recognizing what's going on and they're, and they're doing the right things, which is really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. And I also want to acknowledge that there is an addiction here and many adults are addicted as well. I, can exactly be, right. I don't have any games on my um, laptop because I'm not stupid. I know my boundary. I have one game on my phone, only one game that I sometimes use on airplanes when I'm just whatever. And, and, but anyway, I have a boundary is the point. And so sometimes I'll bring up a game on my laptop through the internet, and um, I, I intend to play a game or two in between intellectual pursuit, right? Because I'm going to relax. And 35 minutes later, I'm still playing. Mm-hmm. And I'm appalled with myself because that's not good stewardship. <laughs> well, what happened was, I believe I can win. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and so, because all of us know that if you play long enough, you can win any game, right? So it's no longer skill and talent. It's just a matter of time. And I'm amazing, so I deserve to win. And so I'm going to, you know, I meant to check the X out box, but I checked click and play again mm-hmm. because I'm as addicted as anybody else. And I wrote the book, yeah. but there's this adrenaline dopamine drop. Um, thing that happens in the brain, and we're we're older. Our brains are finished, and so we're not as prone to being directly influenced by it. But we're still influenced by it, sure. and that's why change is really hard. And this is why you have to care enough about the people you're raising to do the right thing, even when it's hard. Part of the addictive side of this, and Trace, you and I have talked to Dr. Archibald Hart and Dr. Sylvia Hart uh, about the book, The Digital Invasion, right. and, and all of that work with regard to anhedonia. Right. And, I mean, this is a thing where, as, as Ravi Zacharias says, that we've entertained our kids into imbecility. Mm-hmm. Well, this constant entertainment that's streaming in 24-7 on the smartphones and yeah. whatnot, um, this, it, it basically wears you down. And, and this that used to be entertaining is no longer entertaining enough. So you have to dig for more and more and more, and it's got to be better and better and bigger and bigger and more dangerous and more dangerous. It's it's called chasing the genie. It's the the law of diminishing returns. And, you know, we've let our kids uh, do... I I remember 1990, uh, I got my kid a Mario Brothers game. And, you know, after I I crushed a couple of controllers myself, I said to myself, you know what? This is bad. I'm not going to do this anymore. So I haven't played a video game uh, to any extent, let's put it that way, since 1990. But we talk about addiction. Addiction is basically what Scripture has already labeled as idolatry. And it's, it's needing something or thinking you need something or desiring something more than God. 
And, and since studies show that, that so many Americans are currently addicted to their devices, are we therefore in danger of suffering the same fate as the idolaters we read about in the Old Testament scripture uh, if we don't repent of this? Yes, sir. I believe that that's um, very well stated. The scripture teaches us that when we experience challenges, our faith grows and our character grows. And we have generations of young people afraid to be challenged Boy, because technology true. has taught them everything should be easy, mm. automatic, quick, and about them. Yeah. So therefore, I'm very afraid we're going to have a generations, plural, with immature faith yeah, and know. immature character. See it now. See it and now. that's really dangerous for them and really dangerous for the culture at large. So that's a motivation for us to take back the devices, get back our children, raise them rather than letting them be raised, and, um, and do, do what is right. And if I could add something, guys, I really respect parents who are trying their very best. Yep. It is really challenging today to turn off the TV, to get devices out of bedrooms, Mm-hmm. But we have to have conversations with our children, and we have to give them alternatives. Because of the addictive nature of gaming on devices and um, social media, the scroll and all of that, I want to encourage everyone listening to put board games on the coffee table, yes. a football, basketball, baseball, and Frisbee at the back door, yep. a jigsaw puzzle in the corner, crayons and Sudoku books, and crossword puzzle books, and a variety of things out visible for your children to do. They're not good at boredom. They don't know how to choose alternatives because we've allowed them to be raised only by the screen. And when they see something else they could be doing, like reading an actually old-fashioned book um, rather than something on a device, which is better for the brain as well, they're more likely to do it. Kids tell me all the time, you know, Dr. Kathy, you might as well cut off my arm if you take away my phone. I don't know who I am, and I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. The phone has become the jackknife. My dad carried a jackknife with him everywhere he went. Mm -hmm. And it had every device, right? The phone today, it's the calculator, the dictionary, the the spell check, the alarm clock, the the everything. It's the coffee in the morning. It's the coffee in the morning. Absolutely. And so we have to respect that. And I want us to encourage our kids by showing them that there's something else they can do. And this, when, this is when we need to sit down and play a game with them mm-hmm. and, and go for a walk with them and get out of the house. And, you know, I, I don't, again, I, I just respect parents who are loving their kids well enough to do what is right. And, yeah. and frankly, loving themselves in a healthy way and getting off of their own devices. Yeah. I, I am so grateful that you you wrote this book and um, I want to encourage all of our listeners to get it uh, again I've contributed to books like this this one's better <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that endorsement thank you so much for your support and I pray that every listener is encouraged by what we've communicated today and that they do something with it yeah and and and, and parents I want you to know that this program was designed to be an encouragement we're not here trying to beat anybody up. Uh, but sometimes, uh, you know, you have to say the emperor has no clothes and you got to figure out how to get some clothes on that guy. Yep, absolutely. You know? And that does wrap up another parenting workout session here on Licensed to Parent. Our guest today has been Dr. Kathy Cook, the founder and president of Celebrate Kids Incorporated. That's a ministry based in Fort Worth, Texas. She is the author of now six books, including Screens and Teens, Connecting with Our Kids in a Wireless World. You can find Dr. Kathy and her books online at CelebrateKids.com. 
Remember, too, that the work that we do here on Licensed to Parent is an extension of the work done every day inside the gates of Shepherd's Hill Academy. You can help that work continue through your tax-deductible gift that keeps this radio program on the air and, more importantly, provides scholarships to families who can't afford residential care, making it possible for them to get the help they need for a teen who may be one step away from the grave or from jail. The need is always great, never more so than right now. Please help today. You can give securely online when you visit LicensedToParent.org and click on the Donate button. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to phone a friend, get them to join you, and next time be with us to renew your License to Parent. And remember, parents, if you don't train your children, the other parent will. God bless you. See you next time.